All righty, time to get into the meat of today's episode. And we're going to start with this new BBC report on Russian casualties. And I think this is this a bit a, a nice chance to sort of close out this little mini arc we've had talking about various news outlets and the casualty figures that they've been releasing, uh, particularly as it pertains to the Russian side of the war. I almost said size, so I had to sort of uh, hold my tongue. But we have this new report from the BBC. And they put the total number of Russian soldiers killed in the war at 24,470. Now, I would like, before we uh, before we dig too deep into that, I would like to see the casualties, as this is just deaths. Uh, so it's not counting wounded soldiers. So you could easily be looking at if, if oh my goodness. But you could easily be looking at 100,000, perhaps, perhaps, you know, it could be higher. It could be actually be 200,000 if we're talking casualties, but specifically looking at the dead. 24,470 is what the BBC confirms. And they are not a pro-Russian outlet. And they've been very anti-Russia this whole time. So, yeah, 24,000. And that, as you could probably guess, just based on, a, the, again, the little mini arc we've been having on the podcast, talking about these various numbers and casualty figures, uh, this is very, very, very different from the fantastical numbers we've been getting uh, previously. John Kirby uh, just said a few weeks ago that 20,000 Russians had died in Bakhmut alone. Uh, and we were, we were, I mean, we were just talking about these numbers and how it's like, how, how do you get, how do you get there? How do you get to that conclusion? And like the U.S. government, the U.S. government in particular believed that Russia had lost 200,000 since December, not, not throughout the whole war, uh, 200,000 men since December of last year. And they were saying that back in January and February. It's like, so what? The Russians are taking half a million casualties? And, and we've been, again, we've gone over these numbers. But to see the, this very different figure put out, 24,000. And let, let's let's uh, triple that number and say that triple that number is the casualties. And say 75,000 casualties for the whole war that's still a lot less than 200,000 casualties since December and that's certainly a lot less than 20,000 in Bakhmut alone uh, unless you want to imply that the Russians only lost 4,000 men over the course of the entire war including the months uh, leading up to the fall of Bakhmut uh, like the entirety of the war outside of Bakhmut, they only lost f almost four and a half thousand men, and then they lost twenty thousand fighting in Bakhmut alone. Now, if we take this number, and we take uh, Prigozhin's numbers when he was talking about Wagner, half of these total casualties came from Wagner because he said that ten thousand out of his fifty thousand men. Oh, because remember we talked about a. Uh, the Wagner forces when they captured Bakhmut and he gave his numbers. 50,000 men is what he had. 
10,000 he says were killed. We'll take him at face value. 10,000 he says were killed. 10,000 were wounded. And that leaves the other 30,000. Fine. So if the BBC is reporting that 24,470 in total Russians have been killed, and they're obviously not necessarily going to separate Wagner from the Russian main army, then that would mean that two-fifths, 40% of the casualties came from Wagner fighting in Bakhmut. And that's 10,000 men, not 20,000. So it's very, very different numbers that we're looking at now. Again, uh, I keep harping back on this because it's very important to stress the difference here. We've been hearing that Russia's lost hundreds of thousands of men. We've been hearing from the U.S. side that Russia is totally defeated. Oh, I can't wait. uh, I can't wait to get into the the Millie thing when we do the the reflections episode. Because that, that if you guys saw that video back in, I think it was March, when General Milley was at the at this press thing, speaking on the situation in Ukraine, he said the Russians are defeated strategically, militarily. <laughs> that's going to be so, oh my goodness, that's going to be actual comedy gold to reflect on when this war is over. Because it's clear, he says that and then Bakhmut falls. So either he's lying or my eyes are lying. And I think he's the one who's lying. But we hear 200,000. Hundreds of thousands of men is is what we're being told that the Russians have lost throughout this war. And then you get 24,470. That's that's a really, really, really big difference. You don't just uh, uh, round down and get a difference like that. Something else has to be afoot here. Something else has to be afoot. And I think that what we're witnessing is that they're trying to get ahead of the story. I think that what we are about to witness is perhaps the greatest about face ever made in news media history. These news agencies and companies who have been literally spewing propaganda, pro-Ukrainian propaganda the entire war, are about to be put in a position, courtesy of the Ukrainian counteroffensive and then the Russian response to that offensive, they are about to be put in a position where everything that they have been talking about is about to be exposed as a lie. And we've already seen a glimpse of that with Bakhmut, where they went from talking, where they went from not talking about it at all, mind you. They, you, you, had, you had to go to Scott Ritter, Douglas McGregor, you had to go to Jimmy Dore, the Duran, to even hear the word Bakhmut back then then it was bakhmut as this major important piece of defense in the ukrainian line and the russians can't capture it it's so well defended uh, it's the key to the donbass and the ukrainians are going to hold on to it zelensky comes to washington and gives a speech talking about how bakhmut stands bakhmut stands and then we have Bakhmut falling. But now after Bakhmut has fallen, it's it has no strategic value. They the, the Ukrainians lured the Russians into a trap, even though the Russians said back in December 
that they were going to change tactics and just use Bakhmut as a meat grinder to destroy as many Ukrainian troops as possible, since Ukraine was just continuously reinforcing in Bakhmut, even though they claim it had no strategic value, even though it did. It, it did have strategic value. It was at the center of their fortifications. It was at the center of the region's logistics. Uh, now, granted, that much didn't mean too much by the end of the siege. Well, not necessarily the siege, but the battle of Bakhmut, as the Russian that essentially captured all the land around Bakhmut. So there's not much in the way of logistics that you can have when you don't have any of the land around the city. But we've seen this arc go from not talking about it at all to, oh, it's it's never going to fall. Bakhmut still stands after all this time. Give us more money. So now it's not strategically important. We've already seen them have to readjust to reality not matching up with their narrative and reality being made uh, clear and present to the average viewer. So you can lie to someone for quite a while, but when the lie is exposed by the, the very thing that you're lying about, well, that ruins your credibility. So you have to get ahead of the story. You have to say, oh, things have changed so dramatically. It's now it's a trap. Ukraine has lost back, but now it's a trap to see how many Russians they can destroy. And essentially what the BBC has also admitted with these casualties, not these casualties, with this death figure, is that you, Ukraine didn't exactly do a very good job in their grinding down of Russia, in their trap at Bakhmut that they set for the Russians. They clearly didn't do a good job. If that is true, which it's not, it, it, the idea that this is a trap set by Ukraine for the Russians, no, it's the other way around. The Russians... It wasn't even a trap set by the Russians. It was just the Russians deciding, okay, well, if you're going to keep reinforcing, we're just going to bomb you with artillery. Bye. <laughs> and every now and then, we'll just send in a couple men to take a, a city block or two. And they ended up taking the city and grinding down 100,000 Ukrainians. 80 to 100,000 Ukrainians. Uh, it, it, that, that's the estimates on the podcast. Because, again, I'm trying to lowball Ukraine's losses but the range is 60 to 160,000. Prigorjian puts it at 120,000. So you lost, if we're going to go with my numbers, which is uh, flattering for the Ukrainian side, compared to what they could be looking at, compared to what the actual number might actually be, because the Ukrainians know, Prigorjian has an idea, I'm still lowballing. So if we go with my numbers instead of anyone else's numbers, which is 80 to 100,000, and we're just going to go with 80,000. Well, you lost 80,000 men to kill 10,000 and wound another 10,000. That's a terrible ratio. That's four to one. You suffered a, a, a well, actually, no, that, that's a one to four ratio. For every one man you killed, you lost four. You suffered a one to four ratio. That's a terrible trap. So what these numbers inadvertently admit is that Ukraine got decimated in Bakhmut and that they failed to destroy much of Ukraine, of Russia's military in Bakhmut. Well, they, they failed to destroy much of Russia's military as a whole throughout the war. That, that's also a thing. But in particular, Bakhmut. So we're starting to see 
the the script get changed. They're starting to flip the script because now you can't lie about it. You can't lie about it if you have high intensity conflict and the war goes from being a static war to a war of movement again. Because then it the, the proof is going to be in the pudding. Oh, the Russians captured this piece of land. Oh, they captured this piece of land. Oh, they captured 10, 20, 30 miles. Okay, well, what, what did the Ukrainians get? Oh, 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 oh they lost that. Okay, well, oh, oh, they lost that. They lost that city too. Okay, well, they have the river line. Oh, they, the Russians have a bridgehead. Okay, um, so how many people are we losing? See, when the war goes from being a, a static war where you can hide behind the fact that the front line hasn't moved to make these radical claims of hundreds of thousands of Russian losses and uh, minimal Ukrainian casualties. Oh, they bloodied Russia's nose. Oh, they did this. Oh, the Ukrainians are doing that. The, 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 the storm shadow missiles are game changers. The high Mars missiles are game changers. Oh, I'm going to have to do a segment talking about all the, the wonder weapons, the wonder weapons segment on the news. And I think that'll, that'll be a part of the overall coverage of the news and media timeline, uh, the, the narrative timeline of this war. Not in the course of the events, but the course of the news coverage of the events. Yeah, all these wonder weapons. Oh, if we just give them tanks. First, it was if we give them the javelins and the the javelins and the stingers. If we give them the javelins and the stingers, they'll be able to they'll be able to beat the Russians. Oh, if we give them high Mars, it's gonna change the game. Oh, if we give them long range, they need long range missiles. No, we. We're not going to give them that. We're going to give them tanks. They need tanks. We're going to give them tanks. Then it's oh, we're going to give them, we're going to give them depleted uranium, and storm shadow missile. Well, we're going to give them air defense missiles. We're going to give them uh, Patriot missiles. The Germans are going to give them their uh, special air defense system that they don't even have in their own army. They just produced them and they're going to give them to Ukraine. Then it's and now here we are with oh, we're going to give them F 16s Next thing you know, they're going to be talking about giving them six-engine bombers. We have to we have to give the Ukrainians a B-52. Don't you understand? <laughs> uh, I laugh now, but I wouldn't be surprised if I woke up one day and we're actually having discussions about how we're going to give old B-52s to Ukraine and how we have to train them on how to use the B-52. Now, that'd be something to see. <clears throat> or maybe, maybe they... they up the ante and say we need to give ukraine stealth fighters because they need the edge the extra edge of stealth yeah i can see it but they're trying to get ahead of the story they're trying to get ahead of the story the reality is moving in a way that they can't hide behind it because you you can hide behind all these these things when the war is a stalemate and you can say look the war is a stalemate so clearly the ukrainians are doing something right because otherwise how could they win against big mighty russia even though people who say that simultaneously discount the the credibility of the russian military but now as the war's stalemate phase look like it's it's about to come to an end not just from the ukrainian side but from the russian side if the stalemate is over and we go back to a war of movement you can't hide behind a, a front line that stays the same now the front moves and you can see clearly who's winning and it's not going to be the ukrainians so we're we're seeing that these outlets are starting to adjust so that they they don't lose they don't get completely discredited by the results of this war's conclusion being far from what they've been telling us it was going to be this entire time
it's it, they're gonna they're gonna say look we we told you when things were changing and things changed really quickly and suddenly the the things we believed a, a year or two ago were um uh the situation on the ground sort of changed that and so we had to adjust that, that's how it's going to be marketed and a lot of people are going to eat it up but i think a lot more people are going to see that it was a lot so we're starting to see something pretty interesting here another thing we have is zelensky hinting at an attack on transnistria uh actually hold on one second this segment was taken from my podcast this week in geopolitics i have new episodes every monday so if you like what you heard consider giving me a follow thanks for listening and hopefully i'll see you next time servus